Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 241 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and today's show is going to be something of a detour. Uh, the great majority of the time we talk about the Atlanta Hawks in this space, so I promise that's not going to be stopping, but occasionally we'll take a step back and uh, talk about the NBA sort of at large, and uh, often when I do that, I bring on uh, a friend of mine, an NBA expert under the, under the radar. Uh, his name is Ryan Wilson. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Uh, first of all, I'd like to think that most conversations that I am taking part in, basketball or otherwise, are considered detours. And I've never considered myself an NBA expert, expert but I'm rolling. Let's I'll, say, I'll say that um, so you don't have to. Uh, for those of you who are might be new, new listeners, Ryan does not write about sports, but uh, we've joked about uh, him, being, him being the uh, the cousin Sal went to my Bill Simmons in the past. <laughs> also a, uh, a big Waz comparison every once in a while. Um, a little bit more racially on the nose there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, just the uh, sort of the ombudsman of the podcast. I'm, I'll, I'll occasionally get a, a note from Ryan that basically says, "What are you talking about?" or something like that. Fair. And uh, yeah, he keeps me in line, and uh, he knows his stuff. So uh, the goal of today's show will be to roll through the Eastern Conference off seasons. Basically, we're going to be doing the West at some later date. Uh, if we do them both at once, it's going to take three hours. So uh, we're not going to do that all here today. But we'll do the East. Uh, it's sort of an alphabetical order. Go through. Um, what all the teams did, basically, uh, and as briefly as we can um, over the past, uh, you know, couple of weeks and months, we're going to save the Hawks for last, even though the Hawks are number one in the alphabetical order, because otherwise you guys could just tap out. So uh, you could probably fast forward near the end if you just don't want to think about anything but the Hawks. But we'll get there, I promise. Uh, you good to go, man? Let's do this thing. Yeah, let's go. All right, uh, Boston Celtics, first team on the agenda. A very busy offseason for Boston after a very good season last year, obviously. Uh, just I'll run this thing down. They added Gordon Hayward, obviously, at the max. Uh, they traded Avery Bradley from Marcus Morris. They added Aaron Baines to a reasonable-ish contract. Uh, and then, of course, they drafted uh, Jason Tatum after trading down um, with the Sixers. They also did a couple of other things that were less consequential that we can come back to. Like, they lost a bunch of guys. Kelly Olenek, Amir Johnson, Tower Zello, Joe Skripko, all those guys are gone. So, you know, still the core is basically intact aside from uh, adding Hayward. But uh, I guess what would you think about what they did? I like Gordon Hayward a lot. So, obviously, bringing him in is like uh, uh, it's one of the – bigger wins of the offseason uh just kind of briefly looking at he, he they paid him 128 million dollars man that seems like a lot for a guy who maybe won one all-star team i mean who's, who's been on one all-star team like it it i mean he's gonna have no issue making an all-star team in the east um this year and going forward but man that just seems like a lot of money i don't i don't know uh, it is a lot of money. Uh, I will say that 
you know, you know, Hayward is a one-time All-Star, as you said, but I mean, he's young enough. He just turned 27 to where this deal is probably going to look pretty good. Um, it's sort of up for debate as to where you think he is. Like, if you think he's on that same level-ish with like guys like Jimmy Butler and Paul George, then you love this contract. Um, if you don't, then it's just okay. Um, kind of thing. I think he's good. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gordon Hayward's game. And I think, um, when you're pairing a guy like him with Isaiah Thomas, who needs the ball to be the best that he can be, um, Hayward doesn't necessarily need to dominate the ball. He can do that. Um, but he took a step forward as a shooter last year, shot 40% from three, which is really kind of a thing that people didn't uh, fully notice about. Obviously, you know, he's always been somewhat, somewhat of a shooter, but almost like was an elite guy, um, catch and shoot last year in Utah. And in Boston, he's even going to have even more space considering you have, you have Thomas, you have Al Horford to provide spacing as a center. You have all these shooters aside from, I mean, you don't have, you know, they have Marcus Smart who doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, but aside from that, they do have a bunch of space on the court and a lot of room to operate. And hey, it's going to be good. You mentioned it. Uh, I'd be stunned if he was not an all-star this year. Um, and if you can go get him, you kind of have to do that almost. I mean, it's sort that's, of a no-brainer, but um, yeah. yeah. If you have a shot, you have to do it, especially given the coach that you have and, you know, Boston's kind of like all in basically uh, with kind of like a, a keeping an eye on the future. Uh, just kind of looking at the roster though, it's kind of re- like there's a lot of redundancy. Um, I, yes. I I feel like that was maybe the case last year to an extent, but even losing Avery Bradley, which I absolutely hate, and I think that they may like that that's a gaping hole for them. I, I feel like he every shooting guard that they have on that roster necessarily has one or the other of what Bradley did. Uh, either they can pr- like kind of like shoot a little bit or defend a little bit, and I feel like Smart's not that guy. Um, I like back to the redundancy. Marcus Morris, like you have Gordon Hayward, you have um, Jay Crowder. Like, how does that even shake out? Like, do you just play Gordon Hayward at the two? Like, it's just, and you have you drafted Jason Tatum, I, I, who's a three, maybe a small ball four. But if you're going to go four, you also have Al Horford, who um, I, I don't want to like just kind of piss you off here, but he's oh, he's, no. he's, he's not a center. Oh, he's not no. a center. oh my goodness. <laughs> He's not a center. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. That's going <laughs> to hey, do it. Up. Thanks for having me. Um, but, yeah, like, how do you even, like, shake that roster out? Like, it's, it just seems uh, pretty much the only guy guys that I can see, like, playing a lot are Isaiah Thomas and, and Al Horford. And, and everyone else kind of is, like, weird minutes restrictions because you have other guys who are capable of being starters. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of uh, mix and matching from Stevens. I mean, it's, yeah, you, you know, Thomas Hayward and Horford are, are guaranteed uh, big time playing time. And aside from that, uh, like Jason Tatum, we can talk about, actually, I want to ask about the trade, so we'll t- we can talk about that a little bit too. But Tatum, I don't really see playing a lot. I mean, I guess if you draft a guy in the top three, you want him to oh. play, but I don't think he, if they want to, if they're worried about putting the best team on the court, I don't think it, I don't think it includes Jason Tatum a lot of the time. Um, that's not that's not a knock on him as a prospect necessarily, but talking about a rookie on a team that thinks they can at least compete for a title, um, you don't go out and give him that kind of minutes when he's he's kind of a ball stopper, you know, guy who needs the ball in his hands offensively, and that's not the kind of guy that you want to be deploying for a whole lot of minutes as a rookie when he's not one of your you know five or six best players. 
So it's so, it's sort of a weird setup there. But I mean, what do you think about that trade, by the way? While we're here with the uh, Sixers, we'll, we'll get to it for the Sixers side later. But on Boston side, moving down and getting the extra pick either from Sacramento or or Los Angeles and taking Tatum. There's been some buzz that they were going to take Tatum at number one anyway, which I'm not sure I believe. But uh, I kind of hated that. But I want to know how you feel about it. Uh, I hated it too. I mean, in just just drafting down. Um, I, I there are very few times where. Uh, anyone with the number one pick trades down like, oh, we're, we're set at everything when you basically got swept in, in the playoffs last year by Cleveland. Um, like you, you have holes, but like, I mean, you know, you get the guy that you want fine. Um, and you get an extra pick at, out, out of it. Not the worst. So I, I mean, I get it, but I, I just conventional wisdom always says if you get the number one pick, which, you know, a lot of teams haven't gotten, uh, you just take the best team i mean best player and you just go from there yeah i mean that would have been what i would have done uh, i'll say that i mean there's obviously there's always a price for every deal and i'm not sure they got enough to uh part ways with the opportunity to draft marco fultz but we can get into fultz later with philly but i don't know boston's offseason is weird they have a bunch of weird lineup constructions but at the same time it's probably one of the you know one or two best teams in the eastern conference still and just sort of uh, I'd be interested to see what they look like. I don't want to get too down, too deep down into the road of projections, but in terms of the offseason, they got the guy they wanted. They didn't make the other big trade, but Danny Ainge is famous for not doing that. Uh, right. And, uh, the one deal they actually made, you and I both don't like, based on your reaction, the Avery Bradley trade, I was not a fan of. You were not a fan of, it seems. Um, but, uh, you know, not not awful. Somewhere in the middle. Uh, what, what if you can get, get Gordon Hayward, it uh, can't be a complete loss as, as an offseason, and they got better just by adding that kind of guy. So. Right, and you still even got Marcus Morris out of it, who is a, he's is a rotation guy. Yeah, he's a yeah. fine guy, but you know, not like moving the needle. But they got something out of it, so and they saved the money. That the whole reason for the deal was to save the money they needed to do in order to give Hayward the max. So I, I get it. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll get away from Boston and roll into the uh, much less exciting for most people, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who actually did an interesting thing, though a couple of interesting things. Uh, they traded for D'Angelo Russell. In taking on uh, Timothy Mozgov uh, in exchange for Brooke, Brooke Lopez in a uh, late first-round pick. And they also took Damari Carroll on, old friend of the program, Damari Carroll, with two years left in order to get another first-round pick. Which were, Those two moves were very, very Brooklyn Nets moves. And then they uh, interacted with your favorite team, the Portland Trailblazers, on the Allen Crabtree, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So that was basically their entire offseason, aside from drafting Jared Allen. Shout out to Jared Allen. Um, you know, for me, that's two trades that make sense and one that doesn't, but maybe you disagree with me. Uh, well, I have an affinity for Alan Crabb, so I, I know you do. <laughs> I actually, the only one that I was a little weird about was the Mozgov trade. Um, but I can see why that, you know, you're freeing up things and, and D'Angelo he, baby all in. I am, I am higher on than most than like on, on, on Russell. Like I, I think that that was a really good trade. I'm actually rooting for Russell and I'm actually kind of rooting for the Nets here. Like I, I don't know why, I guess they've been just so terrible and, um, beaten down the last, I don't know, five years, four years, something like that. So like they're making moves, getting actual talent as opposed to just kind of like, you know, they had Andrew Nicholson and KJ McDaniels and Archie Goodwin, like who are just like most people who are listening to be like, who, who, and who, uh, they actually have people that you can kind of get behind. I mean, Damari Carroll's kind of, kind of not great anymore, but he's um, fine. Just can't stay healthy. I like, uh, uh, Oh, just that small thing. Huh? Let's get to, uh, when we get to Philly, we're going to talk about that. They, but, took, they took on Damari for the pick. We all know that they, they, they took him on to get a pick and, he, and listen, he, if he's healthy, he can help you. And if not, he won't, but they, 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 they know what they're getting. Sure. Um, 
I, I, but I like Alan Crabb. I mean, he does one thing, but he does it really well. I feel like um, the, the the contract is not great, but you know what? Brooklyn gave it to him and restricted free agency. That's what you get. Uh, but I, I really like D'Angelo Russell. You're going to get back Jeremy Lin, um, a healthy Jim, Jeremy Lin, and um, I, I like where they can go from here. I, I don't know. It, it's weird to say just because Brooklyn won 20 games last year, but I feel like they could be an outside shot at the playoffs, low bar, but yeah, that that would, that would require Russell really popping, which it could happen. I like him too. I think you and I are both higher than the consensus on him. Um, sort of the problem though is that I think their two best players are Russell and Lynn, and they're both point guards. So that's sort of a weird setup. Uh, not that they couldn't play together because they're both you know bigger than average point guards with respectable jump shots, so they could play some together, um, but that's not ideal. I don't know. I man. have a counterpoint to that, actually. Go ahead. I, I would say that um, a lot of Kimba Walker's success a couple of years ago was with Jeremy Lin also in the backcourt. So just a that is, I'm not saying it can't work. It's just not sure. ideal to have what oh, I would argue fair. is your two best players at the same position. But, you know, Alan Crabb, I kind of like too, but they basically – Took on, I mean, Andrew Nicholson was dead salary about six million dollars a year. We're not getting too deep into it. Alan Crabb is about eighteen million a year, uh, almost nineteen million a year. That, I mean, it's a lot of money for Alan Crabb. I mean, there's no way around that. It just didn't seem like a move that Brooklyn would be doing right now. It's like every other move that they've done when they're taking on salaries to get a pick, and I'm I'm just not sure how they didn't get a pick in that deal. I'm I mean, from what I can see on paper, they saved Portland, you know, like sixty million dollars in like actual money for this for one season. It's just with with luxury tax and all that stuff. You'd think that that would have been enough to like get them to throw a pick in, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. It was, it was not awful because I I do I do kind of like Alan Crab, but I'm just not sure how that fits with the rest of what they're doing. It's kind of I will say problem, I will say Portland as a Portland fan, Neil O'Shea did a trend, uh, amazing job not giving up a pick in that regard, and somehow yeah. his owner, his billionaire owner um, Paul Allen, a bunch of money. So uh, it's great. Yeah, uh, sh- shouts, to, <laughs> shouts to Paul Allen who will just spend whatever he needs to spend. That's uh, I thought. If you're an NBA uh, fan, you want your owner to be Paul Allen because Paul Allen will just sign any anything he needs to sign. He'll just pay it; it doesn't matter, and that's 100%. a great thing. He kind of stays out of the way and will pay any number. That's kind of the great the great combination, I think, pretty much that you want. It's in a order. rarity in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a the guys who are willing to spend usually are the guys who want to really like, like meddle like a lot. Yeah, and he doesn't really do that, but he's like, yeah, I'll I'll spend a hundred million in luxury tax <laughs> for a forty-five win team. Sure, sign me up. I've- is this me getting back to the Al Horford thing? Because I think we're cutting a little close to the vest here. Is this, it's, I feel like this is getting personal here. No, it's fine. I, I like Paul <laughs> Allen quite a bit. It's it's that's kind of guy. I, I hope to, I hope down the line when the Hawks need uh, Tony Russell to spend money um, when they really need him to at some point when they're trying to decide whether they're spending luxury tax. I like to have an owner that just like yeah, I'll, I'll spend it. Cool, no problem. But yeah, I mean, Brooklyn, I'm not sure I see the playoffs. I don't think you're predicting that either, but they'll be better. There's yeah. no question about that. Losing Brook Lopez does hurt them. Um, yeah. But Moskov is terribly overpaid, but like he's not useless. Like he can play a little no. bit. Like he's obviously one of the worst, one of the worst contracts in the league, but like it's not like he's like completely dead salary either. Like he can be your backup center and it's fine. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. They're, they're, they have no front court depth whatsoever. It's like Trevor Booker and. Mozgov and like a band of Barry men, but they have interesting wings and good back and good backcourt guys. And you know, that's fine. They'll be interesting. Kenny Atkinson. Shouts to Kenny Atkinson. Former Hawks. Yeah, they'll be watchable. Uh, all right, let's go to Charlotte, which is uh, a little bit close to home for a number of reasons on this podcast. Their, their, uh, their highlight transaction of the summer 
was trading for Dwight Howard. Uh, interestingly, we'll get, we'll come back to that in a second. They also drafted Malik Monk in the lottery, and they uh, they added Michael Carter Williams as their backup point guard, which is interesting. Um, that's about all they did. They weren't super duper busy, and uh, in a vacuum, the Howard trade was a win for Charlotte because they traded Miles Plumlee's bad deal and Marco and Marco Bellinelli, and then moved up in the draft. Um, so if you just take it at face value and not kind of consider Dwight's baggage, it's a great deal for Charlotte. I think you have to ding them a little bit, but at the same time. Steve Clifford likes Dwight. Um, Dwight likes Steve Clifford. They seem to get along. So it makes, if anybody was going to make sense for Dwight Howard, it's probably going to be Charlotte. Um, so I'll, I'll just tee you up to see uh, what you think about that. But from their, from, the, from their standpoint, my thoughts on Dwight are well documented. But if there was going to be a team that wanted to go get him, it probably should have been Charlotte. So that makes a little bit more sense than you might think. I like the, the ad for Dwight uh, for the Hornets here with Dwight Howard. I think he kind of bad rap uh, i i'm not would never consider myself a defender but uh i think it's a good move i think that getting out of there and, and maybe getting to a team that maybe a little bit more offensive um involvement uh would be um i have no i have no issue with it i i think that and they got out of the miles plumley trade which i mean miles plumley contract which was interesting but uh no, I, I thought Michael Carter Williams move, I guess, but it's a one-year deal. Whatever. I thought Malik Monk at eleven is a great value um, for the kind of talent and, and the clamoring. Everyone was like, "Oh man, we pass on Malik Monk." I mean, I didn't think that he was, you know, a top five guy or a top six guy, but getting him at eleven, I mean, you're you're, you're almost out of the lottery at that point. Um, I, I really like that move. Um, I expect everyone kind of be a little bit more healthy. I, I think Batum will be better. Um, he's probably had a little bit of that uh, $120 million weighing him down uh, last year. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a big Batum guy, but he, he struggled. Um, but I think that they'll be good. I think that they'll be closer to 500, um, a little bit, maybe a little bit over that. I think that they should make the playoffs, which uh, they haven't done in a while. And uh, they'll be better. Yeah, this is a playoff team, uh, barring the Dwight Mayer occurring again. Oh, it's um, always in. It's always in play. It is in play. Uh, but yeah, this is. I mean, they got unlucky last year, as you mentioned. Batum sort of struggled a little bit. They got some health things. They were three and seventeen without Cody Zeller in the lineup. Um, <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> I uh, that was been a stat that's been so played, and they were three and seventeen in games Cody Zeller missed. So basically, if Cody Zeller doesn't get hurt, they make the playoffs. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's a- that. I'm sorry, that was <laughs> I wow. You, I knew you'd appreciate that. So that's one reason they go get Dwight Howard is that now they have another guy. Uh, I would argue Cody Zeller might be better than Dwight Howard at this moment. Um, that's controversial, I'm aware. But um, even if he's not, uh, they now have two capable centers, and they did not have those last year because Miles Plumley was not that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kemba is provided Kemba's healthy and Batum's healthy, and they get something out of MKG and Marvin Williams. That's the playoff team, I think. So. We'll see what happens, but uh, I was cool with their offseason, even though I'm not, you know, my Dwight thoughts are out there once again. But Malik Monk, by the way, there's been a lot of uh, this. I don't really love Malik Monk. I never did. I'm on record. I think you can read my stuff on that. I wasn't all in, but at, at 11, that makes it makes some sense to me. And like, there's been some revisionist history about, you know, why didn't they, why didn't they take Donovan Mitchell? And it was like, well, no one was arguing that, that they should take Donovan Mitchell when it mm-hmm. happened. You know, Mitchell was good in summer league, obviously, um, and Monk was hurt and didn't play summer league, so. I get why that's being asked, but you have to understand that, like, unless you were arguing for that ahead of time, it's kind of tough to do that now, <laughs> a couple months yeah. ago. Um, how, how are you still, um, speaking of people that you, I think you're 
pro this guy, but um, Gilchrist. Like, what what are we? I like have, MKG. Um, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not been great. I, I'm. I will be the first to admit I was wrong on him, and we. And I'll be shocked if I'm not proven to be wrong long term. He's still really young, which is the only thing that I'll say. He's 23. Um, but offensively, man, it's it's tough. I mean, when you just cannot shoot outside of five feet, it's rough. I mean, his defense is really good. Last year he was fine. I mean, he actually rebounded really well. He, he competes really well. That's a guy who's he's definitely a rotation player. I just don't think he's much more than that just because he's, he's pretty much still – he's not a complete zero offensively because he can cut and do some stuff like that. But if you can't shoot at all, it's really tough. So I was hoping that he would fix it to some extent and kind of – um, but I mean, I was not really projecting him to be a star or anything like that, but um, it, just, it just hasn't happened with his jumper in any way, shape, or form. And if you just don't have that, it's really tough. Um, so I think he's fine. Um, he can play for you. He can be even a fringe starter type. Um, but beyond that, he's going to have to learn to shoot. He's still 23, so there's still time, but we're entering uh, year six now, Ooh. which seems crazy, but it's true. I mean, he was 19 as a rookie. Uh, he'll be 24 in September, so uh, year six at 24. But yeah, I mean, he's at. It's kind of funny. Like he did have a season where he averaged 30, you know, 11, 12, 13 points a game. It's not like it's he's a loss, but yeah, he's fine. I feel like as the game is kind of progressing, to these people who are like basically phasing like a Tony Allen out. Uh, I I see a lot of that in him, and, and while he's like young, he's also in year six and and not really showing. I mean. Granted, he's also had like these in- injuries that have either plagued him or knocked him out for the entire year. So like, it's not a full six. But yeah, he had the one like, lost year for sure. I don't want him to be like basically marginalized in a playoff situation where they're just leaving him open essentially, and you can't play him. Yeah, I mean, it's know? it's tough when you're. I mean, he could probably place a small ball four for you, but he's really a three, and he's taken thirty four threes in five seasons. Wow, and made seven of them. So. He's a non-shooter. It's just, I mean, it's really tough to hide those guys. I mean, Tony Allen's an exception because he was, and he's still, I mean, he could be Tony Allen. He could be a bigger, more physical Tony Allen, and that's a really valuable player, but there is a ceiling on that guy if you just can't play offense aside from doing some, like, he, he does the little stuff that fills in for you, but if you're a guy that people people, people just leave in the playoffs in big spots, it's uh, it's tough for him. So, sure. anyway, I like him still. I'm still I'm still in on MKG, but uh, the ceiling is definitely lower than I thought it was going to be. Um. Yeah. Let's go to let's go to Chicago, um, which is a bloodbath. Um, this is my least favorite offseason of in the entire league. So spoiler alert there, this was bad. Um, but I'll run it down here. Um, the Jimmy Butler trade, um, along with the number sixteen pick, was Jimmy Butler um, to the Wolves in exchange for the number seven pick, which became Laurie Markkinen, um, Zach Levine, uh, who was injured, and Chris Dunn. They lost Rajon Rondo, Michael Carter Williams, and Joffrey Laverne. Um, they signed Cristiano Felicio to four years, thirty-two million. They signed Justin Holiday, and they drafted Markkinen with Dennis Smith still on the board. So, uh, anything that you want to s- say positively about that? The only thing I like that they, that they did this offseason was sign Justin Holiday. That's the list for me. Um, no, I yeah. got nothing. They uh, didn't I mean, think, I just I like okay, I like Justin Holiday. Um, that was fine. It, it doesn't really matter yeah. in the grand scheme because they're going to be awful. Sure. But like, that's a two-year deal at a reasonable cost, and he's fine. He was good in New York last year. But like, when that's the only thing that you can talk about it being good, it's it's really really bad. I mean, the Judy Butler trade. Let's just talk about it for a second. It was an absolute abomination. Yeah, um, it's bad. It's but just really the fact that they even felt the need to throw in the number sixteen pick. 
which Minnesota then probably bungled in drafting Justin Patton when they have a bunch of centers already, but we'll get to them later. Um, but the fact that they Chicago traded the best player in the deal got not a single premium asset back. I mean, it depends on what you feel about Levine. I'm not a huge Levine guy. I know you like him more than I do, which is we'll get to I that do. if you want to. But uh, yeah. it's just an awful trade. It really is. Um, I, I'm. It really is beside me where you can trade your best player and your maybe your only asset, like true asset, to a team headed by the guy you fired and absolutely wanted out of your organization. Like you would think that you would be a little bit more petty and be like, I will trade you to any other team but here. And somehow you did that. Okay, fine, fine. Maybe the offers didn't roll in. And you take a terrible deal. Like, terrible deal. Like, you traded for Zach Levine, who's coming off an ACL surgery. You traded for Chris Dunn, who had an absolute abomination of a rookie season. Uh, and then you, on the back end, same draft, same night, by the way, you, you draft Jordan Bell and then sell that pick. I'm sorry, you sell that pick, basically, that becomes Jordan Bell, and you sell it to Golden State. It's like, why? what's your deal? And you also, again, I said, I said it briefly earlier, you, you drafted Markkanen with Dennis Smith on the board, and this is not revisionist. I wrote this at the time. I wrote it ahead of time. And obviously, they look even sillier now, but like, I just don't see how you do that deal and then draft Laurie Markkanen. Because the whole thing is, I actually will defend Laurie Markkanen. I think, I think he could probably be a very uh, useful NBA player, but like, Agreed. His ceiling is not off the charts by any means. Like he's going to be a guy who, at his best, is going to be a role, a good role player. But like he's never going to be like a number one or two option. I don't think on a team. His defense is a problem. I just don't see how that's the pick you make um, sure. after you trade your one and only premium asset away. And I mean, it seems clear now that they just love Chris Dunn, which is insane given what we saw as a rookie. And I, I always liked Chris Dunn. I was in on Chris Dunn. I, I think he could still be useful, but like. It's like they still evaluated him the same way after a disaster of a rookie season a year later, and they just didn't need to do that. I mean, there's no way that this is the best deal they could get. There's no way. And they have also have like 512 other point guards on that roster. Well, yeah, they. I mean, we could, we're t- the Cameron Payne, <laughs> the Cameron Payne trade was a disaster for for Dumb, the 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 Dumb trade was for Cameron Payne was just a mess. Campaign is terrible. <laughs> That's Dougie McBuckets. I mean, Cam Campaign was one of the worst players I saw in summer league. Ooh, <laughs> that's bad. I mean, in it's terms so of guys bad. who are, I mean, obviously there's guys who are not NBA players that are in Summer League, but in terms of guys who were like on rosters or close to being on rosters, Campaign was one of the worst I saw in Summer League. That was like not just me saying that. That was like a universally held opinion. He was awful. And wow. like, that's a guy you traded, you traded Doug McDermott for and you threw in picks and stuff to get Campaign. You have Jerry and Grant still on your team. Uh, Some reasons unknown. Yeah, I, I think this is the worst team in the league. Uh, I would argue that, yes. I mean, people uh, people have said that about the Hawks. I think the Hawks are better than the Bulls. That's not like a that's not a huge uh, statement to make because the Bulls are really bad. So I'm not. It's not like a huge uh, you know, supporting oh case for the Hawks. But I would, yeah, I would argue the Bulls are, are the worst team. They still have Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne Wade <sighs> Dwayne Wade's not particularly good anymore. I mean, Dwayne Wade does some things uh, when he looks good. He looks great, but he's not efficient anymore. Um, he also might get bought out. It's that whole thing. He's by far their best player, unless you think Zach Levine is just going to like be 100% healthy and take a step forward simultaneously, which I don't see. So, yeah, it's they're bad. I mean, it is what it is. It doesn't make That's any sense, and their offseason was awful. So, so bad. I, I, I can't think of a worse offseason for a team 
Yeah, I that, think it was them. I mean, there's a couple that of... They, it wasn't like they lost guy. Like, you know, they didn't like, oh, we lost that on like... Like, I mean, you could make an argument like Utah. Like, oh man, we lost Gordon Hayward. What are we going to do? But like, like, they didn't have any... They chose to have a bad offseason. That's, that's a great point. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, if you lose a guy in free agency, you're not... That's not your choice. Yeah. Like, if you lose Gordon Hayward, you lose Kevin Durant, or you lose whoever... Like Fine. that sucks, and you should. I mean, yeah. you should get docked for it in like offseason grades, but like, right. you didn't do that. They they willingly gave Jimmy Butler away. <laughs> they actively with, with two years left. Yeah, they actively made terrible trades the entire year, pretty much from February on. Um, yeah. Well, let's get away from them because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get mad again. Please. The Bulls. They're, they're, <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, from uh, one extreme to the other, but also sort of a dysfunctional stream, is the Cleveland Cavaliers, the reigning Eastern Conference champions for like you know, twenty-seven years in a row under LeBron James. Um, they didn't do much in terms of what they actually did transactionally. Uh, they overpaid at least slightly on, on Kyle Korver by giving him a third year. They added Derrick Rose and Jeff Green on minimum deals, and they added uh, Seti Osman. Well, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but uh, their Turkish rookie from a couple years ago is now coming over. They lost Darren Williams, they lost Derek Williams, they lost James Jones, none of those guys matter. Uh, and then there's the Kyrie stuff, which we could talk about here briefly. That's not really something they, that, that they quote-unquote did in the offseason, but we'll at least um, discuss it because it's been a mess, man. It's been dominating my life as someone who writes about the NBA for a few weeks now, and that's not even my full-time job. The full-timers uh, I feel really bad for. I've written at least 10 Kyrie-centric posts, and I'm just wow. a part-time guy, so it's uh, man, it's crazy. Uh, I will say that they had something to do with it because I feel like once you got rid of David Griffin, everything just kind of oh yes got got, got shot point. up got shot up there basically. Um, so while they weren't an active participant, they chose not to extend him again. Uh, I, the, the, what was the cra- crazy stat that they've gone through like five GMs or something like that? Like they they have not renewed a, Griffin. Yeah, Griffin has never given a GM a second contract. That's Hard to do. Hard to do. Well, and uh, in his minor defense, a couple of those guys shouldn't have got second contracts, but David Griffin was like universally thought of as an above-average GM, and sure. why why you would just basically say, now nah, we're good, when LeBron <laughs> clearly likes David Griffin, and he kept things going. He won a championship as the GM just two years ago. Not even two years ago. Like, was it 20 months ago? Yeah, no, give or take, yeah. It's uh, not even that. 15 months ago, whatever it is. Uh, it's just a wild decision. Dan Gilbert is a bad owner. He always has been. Uh, the only reason the Cavs are the Cavs is because LeBron James was born in Akron, Ohio. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, honestly, if they didn't have LeBron, I mean, think about this. It's something we could talk about briefly. Uh, LeBron left. That that sucks for Cleveland. I understood that the first time. Absolutely. They then won. How many lotteries did they win? Uh, I believe they won two. They won two, two lotteries. Yep. Uh, one of which was like a very very deep shot in a and they got the Kyrie pick in the in a Baron Davis trade. Uh Anthony Bennett <laughs> which they blew up. They blew the pick on Anthony Bennett Fine. obviously. Fine. In their defense that was an awful draft so whatever. Yep. But yep. yeah, I mean they have two number 1 picks since LeBron leaves. Then LeBron comes back. If LeBron doesn't wait, come back. Wait, didn't wait, wait, wait. Didn't they have how many did it? Was it just two cuz how did they get um how did they get Wiggins? Oh, that was the third one they actually won. They won three lotteries. Oh my god! The problem is that the third one was the was the Clippers thing that I was saying, like the the trade it. It was it was it was an unprotected Clippers pick, so they didn't technically win the lottery, but they did win the lottery. 
So they had if three, there's three number one picks in like a five year run. If there's ever the conspiracy theorists about the uh, the lottery being rigged, this is this is number one on that list. This like, is the this argument is, against it. I mean, why would they want Cleveland win the lottery? I get you got me. Uh, well, I don't know. that's the thing. Like, like that's that. the thing. Like, why would the NBA ever want Cleveland to win the lottery three times? <laughs> that's Cleveland's not, <sighs> not a market that the NBA is like clamoring for. They are now because LeBron is there. But once LeBron leaves, Cleveland becomes Cleveland again. I mean, Cleveland is Cleveland, but no, we're not. I'm not going to. You know what I mean? I'm, well, not, yes. I'm, not, I'm not either. I, I'm just saying organizationally. I mean, yes. I'm not saying anything about the city. It's not a huge market, and organizationally, yeah. they were really good in the like the late '80s, early '90s, and since then, they really. I mean, they had a couple blips on the radar, yeah. but this is not like a flagship NBA franchise. They're they oh, were wow. fine, but Dan Gilbert's not a good owner. LeBron was born in Akron, and that's why they're good, uh, right now at least. Sure, but I don't sure. know, man. The Kyrie uh, thing is a mess. By the way, I, I, I guess the best question to ask is, do you think there's any way they can bring Kyrie back? I wrote about uh, this this week, which is why I'm asking. Okay, I will say this. Yes, because they're a terrible franchise. But, um, they, but they shouldn't. Uh, they, they shouldn't is what you're saying. They should not bring him back. Um, I feel like team, like the team, like the twelve, the eleven other guys that are on that team, on that team. Not well received. I feel like I, I feel like there's going to be some animosity there. I mean, LeBron would be a big one. Um, I feel like fan wise, I feel like that public perception would not be great. Uh, it would be basically like going to your like going to your job, going to your boss, saying I I won't quit. Send me somewhere else, and then they never do it, and you have to go back to your just normal job like it's it's awkward like it's super awkward and people are not going to take kindly to that because people are like in cleveland are hyper cleveland people which is fine you know you take pride in your city <laughs> blah, 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 cleveland people. i got well nothing i have nothing to say to the midwest but mostly but uh, i it just you got to get rid of him but when you don't have a, a like a coherent general manager until now kobe altman yes uh, you have him now, but I don't think that they're going to do it. I, I think that opening night, he's going to be out there. I think he'll be out there too. Um, in their minor defense here, uh, now I'm not. They screwed this whole thing up. David Griffin, the whole thing, it was it was it was botched. With that said, Altman now is in an impossible spot because the only way to get full value or close to full value for a guy like Kyrie is to look to the future and yep. get young guys and picks, and they yep. they can't do that. They, nope. they, they can't with LeBron, LeBron on the roster. You can't do that. So like they're in an impossible spot. Like you can't. I mean, I I would make a coherent argument. I think that they could they could be. There's a deal out there. I'm sure that could make them be as good or better. Because I'm not the biggest Kyrie fan, and there's some fit stuff there. And if you want to make LeBron do LeBron stuff and run the offense, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a big number one. It's a big ask of LeBron at 33 to be that guy for a full season. And number two, like you have to find a team that will do that for you, and it's not really out there, man. Like there's been a lot of talk about. There's a reason why I've not seen one. I literally have still have not. For we're on, we're going on weeks now. I've not seen one offer that I was like, "Yep, that makes sense." Not one. I mean, this, the Suns package like fringely makes sense from a value perspective, but that's the only one. I- I don't, but I don't think LeBron wants anything to do with Josh Jackson. It's not that's not a Josh Jackson thing. That's a you're a rookie, man. He doesn't want to yeah. deal with a rookie right now. That's fair. And LeBron's Oops. LeBron's gonna free, gonna be a free agent in a year. Like I'm sure he likes Eric Bledsoe. I know they're friends and they've worked out together. But like 
I like Eric Bledsoe. Kyrie's better than Eric Bledsoe, especially there when Bledsoe does things well and does things better than Kyrie does. When we talk about defense and maybe some creation stuff, but sure. fitting with LeBron, Kyrie's a better fit, and it's a risk, man. I mean, as someone who's not a Kyrie guy, it is a massive risk to to, to trade him without getting comparable return, and they just can't. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say can't, but it's very unlikely to me that they're going to be able to get it. So. I think he's back too, which is going to be wild, and uh, it'll be great theater early on in the season when 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 he is back, and we're uh, dissecting every little bit of body language in uh, October and November. That'll be fun. Sure, it'll be kind of like the Westbrook uh, Durant thing, but in reverse. It's like except if he's uh, on the same team. Yeah, the same team. Like, oh my god, they're high fiving. Like, this is so awesome. Like, or not that great. Um, it's going to be like you know what it'll be like. The closest thing I can think of is will be the first twenty games of the of the LeBron Wade Heat. Yeah, well, that's they, and they liked each other obviously because they teamed up. Right. But it, that was so it was a little bit different. But like every single thing was analyzed to the twelfth degree because they because they weren't playing well. I think they were whatever, sure. they were like nine and eight or whatever they were. You yeah. and I talked about that at length at the time. But um, yeah. yeah, it'll be crazy. I'll say that. Oh, I have one more thing. Get out there. Uh, how does Jeff Green continue to still get paid? Uh, t- to be fair, uh, Jeff Green's not good at basketball, but this is a minimum deal. Like it's fine. Uh, the big one was him getting $15 million last year from the Magic. Well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm okay with them signing him to a vet minimum. It's fine. Like, he can't – he's not awful. Jeff, yeah, Jeff Green's been a mystery for a long time. What, what does he do well is always what I ask people. Uh, he can – he can finesse people out of long-term deals. That's, that's what that is. He can show just a much – like, just enough – potential to be like someone like oh I, you know i could i could invest in this because remember that one time where he did blank and then he never does it uh orlando or boston or um well in cleveland it's i'm sure that's gonna happen um where else did he play clippers clippers yeah it was uh yeah it's it's been a lot of stuff going on jeff green's been everywhere i feel like um memphis um memphis yeah memphis thunder sonics uh, he's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, look kind of close somewhere. Uh, yeah, so you know, I just I, I saw that on the transaction. I was like, man, how did Jeff he Green. do it? Yeah, how, um, his agent, his agent's amazing. Yeah, he's a hero. Whoever that man is, I, mean, <laughs> I, I should know that, but I don't. Uh, before we go off Cleveland, uh, Derrick Rose is a thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about this. I. For the minimum, it's fine because I don't think Derrick Rose is good anymore. Um, partly because what? it's the Dwight Howard thing where Derrick Rose thinks he's still Derrick Rose in capital letters and he's not. Um, fine, but Dwight Howard. But I will say Dwight Howard is much better than Derrick Rose still. Derrick Rose is not good at basketball. That, that's my take. But it's a league minimum contract, so like you can't get mad about it. I guess I, it's hard for it's hard for it's hard for me to listen to someone say he's not very good when you can almost average twenty points a, a game. Like he, I feel like. Bad. He's bad. I don't care. That's <laughs> fair. I'm not. I'm not team Derrick Rose or no, I whatever. I but it. like, I, I just, I feel like one year at like two million is is really low for someone who can get can score. Like, I feel yeah, like if like, I, I just feel like his market shrank immensely, and I don't really understand why. Really, well, I mean, part of it, I guess part of it could be that he has that uh, that off court thing from a year or so ago. Um, oh, I mean, part of it could be that. I, um, okay, I mean, fine. If we're gonna bring like, I'm just saying that, potential that could be a rape thing. allegations into. Okay, yeah, that's it could, fair. It could that's, be, that could be part of it. I'm not saying I it's could, all of it, but it could be. I, 
it's fresh. Yes. And, and plus, I mean, the number you might, I mean, he, he, he did score in New York, but it wasn't efficient at all. He's Fair. a really bad defensive player at this point. Um, so Fair. I get why you don't want to give him a huge role. But again, I mean, in Cleveland, it's basically going to be, if, well, especially if Kyrie's there, it's going to be play 12 minutes a game and just try to get buckets, which is fine. He can do that. Yeah. Um, if not, if Kyrie's gone and they don't get a point guard in turn, which I can't imagine that both of things happen, but if that happened, he's suddenly playing 30 minutes a night, that's going to be bad. Um, that's fine. They have Jose Calderon. It'll be fine. Uh, that's Hawks legend, Jose Calderon. So oh, I'm sorry. That's, right, that's sorry. a good time to get off of that. Uh, so yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> Detroit, that was a long one. So we'll go to Detroit. This will be faster. They didn't do much. Um, they did make the good trade for Avery Bradley that we talked about. Um, they renounced KCP, which is a win- an interesting, weird setup um, based on the fact that he signed in L.A. And then that's basically it. They lost Aaron Baines. They have Boban from the year before. They did overpay Langston Galloway on a crazy deal for no reason, and they drafted Luke Kennard, who I like. Um, I don't really have huge takes on Detroit other than they're going to be a fringe playoff team and still be not that interesting. Um, it's going to be hilarious because they've been a fringe playoff team for as long as Stan Van Gundy has been there, and it's hilarious that the East is terrible now, and they're still a fringe playoff team. They could be I better really than like- that. I will, I will say, like, if it goes well, like, if Reggie suddenly remembers how to play basketball, they could be better, um, because if you have Reggie Jackson being functional, and you have Avery Bradley and Andre Drummond and Tobias Harris, like... That's a basketball team in the East. Like you can win, you can win forty-five games if things go well. But that's, that's not fair. a huge ring endorsement either. I guess I don't know. I love Stanley Johnson. I hope I do too. He somehow can play more, and if he does, I feel like that could that could help um, him and Tobias Harris. He'd basically be the the Morris, the other Morris twin, Marcus, Marcus Morris. Marcus. He can be Marcus Morris in that, but better. I feel like. Um, but yeah, I it's just a I feel like Reggie Jackson just kind of brings them brings them down. He's like, it. I mean, he's like, the thing. Like morality like wise. Not like like skill wise, like morality wise. Yeah, he's the uh I mean, Drummond took a slight step back too last year, so like he's important. That's um, right. But he's he was at least productive. He's going to re- you know what he's going to do. He's going to rebound. He's going to do what he does. Um there's some ceiling there that never got the, Yeah. Um but if Jackson's as bad as he was last year, this is not a good basketball team. If he's just like okay, and they can, if they have forty-eight competent minutes of point guard between Jackson and Nishmith, this is going to be a forty-one team at least, and that's I a playoff would, team. I would be surprised if Reggie Jackson's on that team at the end of the year. Oh, me too. I mean, the only reason why he's on the team now is because the contract's so bad. Um, yeah, because because he played so poorly. Like when when that when, when that deal was signed, it didn't look awful in the market. Yeah. but when he played as, as poorly and was injured last year. His value tanked, and I think if he recoups some of that, you could see him move because apparently no one likes Reggie Jackson anywhere. <laughs> That's been the feeling. I mean, okay, see, nobody liked him in Detroit. It hasn't gone well. Um, he's sort of like the uh, point guard version of Dwight Howard right now. <laughs> so yeah, people that's, that's like, actually fair. People not getting along with Reggie Jackson, but the track record yeah. isn't quite as long as Dwight's is for that kind of stuff. But uh, Reggie is the key to things, so, so that's kind of scary if you're a Pistons fan. But they'll be oh. fine. I mean, they're they're better than most in the East, and that's a low bar to clear. But here we yeah. are. Uh, let's get away from them and into a, a sort of a mess in Indiana. Uh, the Paul George trade was uh, something we'll talk about. Uh, they okay. drafted TJ Leaf and Ike Anukbogu, uh, who were college teammates, randomly. Um, mm. They signed Bayan Bogdanovich to a reasonable contract. They gave Darren Collison $10 million a year. 
They traded for Corey Joseph, who you, you and I both like. Um, yep. They lost Jeff Teague to New Miles, and they cut Monte Ellis before he could pick up his player option, which was funny. Um, they did some, some reasonable stuff there, in my opinion. Like, like adding Joseph is good. Um, losing Miles is kind of a blow because I think he's pretty good, but I understand why. Um, but at the same time, like they're trying to be good, but they're not. Um, and the Paul George trade is obviously the headliner. That was uh, let's be let's be kind and say it was uh, very bad instead of saying it was a full-on disaster. Uh, if not for Chicago, yes, aging them, <laughs> this was the terrible off-season uh, that I was thinking in my head. Uh, and like I go down the list, and you're like, okay, Paul George, like you. This is how you should handle this, Cleveland. Like when your guy says, "I'm not coming back" or "I want to leave," you trade him. But, but about that though, but you, not for this. Not for this. You can do a little better than than Victor Oladipo and uh, the uh, kid Sabonis. I like calling him that. Um, I, I don't like it. I don't like you punting on Jeff Teague. Not a huge Jeff Teague guy, but then you bring in. Corey Joseph, I like Corey Joseph. You bring in Darren Collison, uh, why? Like, wh- what do you? What my are you thing doing? is, yeah, I mean, my thing is here. Like, I'm okay with letting T go, um, but they're basically paying the same amount of money for the Joseph Collison combo that they would have paid for Teague. Okay, uh, I'd rather have Teague, uh, and I like Joseph, but yeah. Teague is better than Joseph. Uh, mm-hmm. Collison's fine, but like, I don't know, man. I, if, for what they did this offseason – they should have gone into maybe not full on tank mode, but at least like clear rebuilding mode. And instead they went out and handed out like multi-year deals to veterans like Collison and Bogdanovich even, who's not young. Like, I just no. don't know what they're trying to do. I mean, and, and, and now they have old depot's contract, which is not a good contract. And I like old depot. I always have, but four four years, 84 million, uh, not a value. I'll say that. I mean, that was, that was the second, I mean, you mentioned Paul George, I mean the uh, Jimmy Butler trade, that was, just, that was the other deal that was like clearly like someone else in the league, and there was like an, out, an, an uproar in the league. Like, okay, we would have beat that deal. Like, what are you doing? People, like teams were saying this. Like, okay, well, you took the you took a worse deal than we offered you. Um, and I, don't, I don't see how you can argue against that because even if you like Old Depot, he as is at the very very best scenario properly paid. He's certainly overpaid in my opinion. But even if you love him, he's not. He's no more than properly paid. And yeah. Sabonis is fine, but like. Uh, yeah, it was bad. I just don't. I don't see what they're trying guys. to do. Um, you know, getting out of. I mean, you let CJ Miles walk. Okay, I, I like CJ Miles a lot. You let Monte Ellis go. Okay, I'm rolling. Uh, I but like pretty much you have you're going to be wasting Miles Turner's couple next couple years that are going to be pretty big. He should probably be in the range of an All Star coming up. And oh yeah. You probably won't sniff the playoffs. I feel like this is they're they're it's going to be between them and Chicago. It's like and, they're trying. It's like they were trying to win thirty three games with their roster moves, which like yeah. you don't want to do that. Like especially right. when is, it comes at the cost of flexibility. Like it's one thing if you're just trying to be respectable to keep your fan base engaged with like short term deals, but like, they gave out real money. Yeah, and and by the way, if you're trying to win 33 games with all of these moves, you, you must have had a short memory because you had you won 42 with Paul George. So it's like you were far off, and they were dead in the water for most of the year. Yeah, they. I mean, they should they should have traded Paul George. I, I love them doing it because he was going to leave. 
I like them trading him. Um, trading him for what they traded him for was a bad idea. And then, I mean, by the way, the draft pick was not good. TJ, I'm not a TJ Leaf guy at where they took him. Like He could be useful, but that's a low-ceiling draft pick on a team that needs ceiling. And yeah. they don't really have any ceiling. Aside from Miles Turner, they don't have anybody with any upside. And then yep. they drafted a guy with no upside. So, yeah. Not yeah, about that. I don't get it. Um, the Leaf the Leaf pick makes even less sense now and based on what they did. Um, so, yeah, Indiana is frustrating. The, they could easily be in that tier with the Bulls and the Nets and the Hawks at the bottom, I will yeah. say. Um, yeah. At the very high at the very high end, if everything goes well in Indiana, Miles Turner breaks out, maybe they win 34 games. Congrats, that's congratulations. reasonable, but, you know, that's – I don't know. There's still a lot of forces working against them there. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> most of them in the front office. Yes. Um, all right, let's get off Indiana, um, go to Miami. Um, the Heat did some weird stuff, especially when compared to the rest of the league. Um, most of the rest of the league sort of clamped down on free agent spending this year, and the Heat went out and spent all the money in all the world. Um, that's basically what they decided to do. Um, James Johnson, uh, let me look at the Yes, James Johnson, four years and $60 million. Oh. Oh. Uh, uh Deion Waiters, four years, $52 million. And Kelly Olynyk, four years, $50 million. Uh, Those three guys got all kinds of money, and they also drafted uh, Bam Adebayo, um, who is, I think, a center, when they already had us on the wide side. So a weird offseason for Miami. Um, at the same time, like they're solidly a playoff team. Um, so there's something to be said for that, but they did it at the expense of signing literally three different four-year contracts and handing out a player option to uh, Johnson, and maybe even Olynyk. I didn't look that up, but... They, they just kind of went all in on the same core, and this core doesn't really have much of a ceiling. It was a really weird um, set of circumstances. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. They're super weird. Um, I can see why you would get back onto, like, the Unwaiters Island. Like, I can see why you'd be like, uh, I, mean, he had a, I, I, I can see it. I, I, maybe not 52 million four years. I, I would never invest that much money in Dion Waiters. Um, Kelly Kelly Olenek, maybe. Uh, okay. James Johnson, I like James Johnson. You can talk me into his versatility and everything like that. I don't know if I'd make... It's so much money for James Johnson. Um, James Johnson's been good for like a year and a half in his career, and he's 30 years old. Like, I like James Johnson too, but like, he's literally been... I think he's had like one complete season where he was a good basketball player, and he's 30. He's not... This is not, a, this is not an upside play. He He's no. 30 years old. Like, you can't... Four years with a player option on the fourth year, like what? I mean, <laughs> they, I, I know they went. They the thing is, they went thirty and eleven their last forty-one games. They got super yeah. hot, and maybe they maybe Pat Riley thinks this team's going to win fifty like fifty-five games. I don't see that in any way, shape, or form. I mean, maybe if uh, the absolute ceiling, if everything goes right, is like forty-eight wins. Yeah, and that's fine if you win forty-eight, but like. This is going to be your best year, you'd think, because all these guys, with the exception of Waiters, are probably going to get worse. Like, Waiters is 26 or something like that, I think. I'm looking this up now. But okay. Waiters is the only guy This is like that's like, this is actually his prime that you're getting. Um, Waiters is 25. So these these four years is going to be probably his prime. That's fine. I don't yeah. still overpay. But, like, with Johnson and Olenek, you're going to get some downside, I think, based on age. And you have Whiteside, who's a, still an, an enigma. You know, Dragic is not getting any younger. It's just a team that's like they're really built for now. And I don't really like building for now on a team that can't go. F- maybe this, maybe they win the first round series. 
maybe. Like, if everything goes perfectly, they end up in the 4-5 series against, like, the Raptors or the Wizards. Like, congrats. Sure. And that's, that's, the, that's the high side for me. I just don't see it um, beyond that. I mean, coaching definitely has has to help. Oh, here, it does. But he's, he's good. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, it was definitely one of the more confusing um, off seasons for Miami because they're usually considered a really good organization and they make really kind of like shrewd moves. Like you, you'd be willing to pay uh, James Johnson four years, sixty million, but like not like someone like Dwayne Wade like a year before. Um, maybe not an exorbitant amount of money, but like it, it seems just very like shifty there. I don't know why, but I can't really make heads or tails of it. Yeah. Make the- yeah. This is a playoff team, but I don't, I don't really care about that in the East. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a confusing off season for the heat and they lost Luke Babbitt. Who's now a member, a member of the Hawks. So, uh, shout out to Luke Babbitt, by the way, former Portland, pro, former Blazers legend, Luke Babbitt as well. So huge fan. Uh, We'll, we'll get to him momentarily. Uh, oh. This is the easiest one we're going to do. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They did nothing. Oh. Um, the Bucks drafted DJ Wilson. Um, go blue. Uh, and aside <laughs> from that, um, they lost Michael Beasley and Jason Terry. And uh, Greg Monroe opted in, and that basically capped them out because they didn't want to pay the tax. So they did nothing, essentially. They have the same team coming back. I mean, Jamari Parker will be back at some point. Um, Giannis is awesome, but uh, they didn't really add or subtract much. I mean, Beasley helped them this year. That's a weird sentence. That's a weird sentence to say, but he did help them. Um, but he's gone. That's about, that's about it, man. This is going to be the same squad we saw last year. Uh, they really paid Tony Snow a lot of money. That's a thing. Oh, that's the other thing they did. They, they, they did. They, I mean, they had him already, but they did. They did pay Tony Snell an exorbitant. I, I won't say exorbitant. It's a. It's forty-four million for four years. So yeah. that's about what it costs for like a fringy starter wing yeah okay that's a reasonable deal i mean as long as he does what he did last year it's fine yeah um okay. that, yeah that was their one I, i'm glad you said that because that was their one expenditure like quote what's something that they actually did um aside from that they didn't really do anything um, yeah they'll be better i mean you know thon maker uh or thon mccurr i believe it's mccurr based on Sorry. what i've yeah. heard but yeah I've had uh, that happen as well a full year of Chris Middleton getting Jabari Parker back, Giannis being Giannis in this weird like all worldly athlete. You know, they'll they'll be good. They'll, they'll be, be better, good. They'll be better than last year um, because every single guy you just name is young. Plus, they have the president, Malcolm Brogdon, um, my guy <laughs> forever, uh, GAC zone, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, DJ Wilson was a reach, and that's I said that as someone who watched him a lot at Michigan. Yeah. Um, he has he has real upside. He's not going to be able to play right now. Um, he'll be buried as a rookie, as he should be. But they don't really need him. They have a lot of guys. Um, Milwaukee is the one team outside of the um, Cleveland, Boston, Washington, Toronto group that I think actually could be like the three seed if they just blow up. Like if Giannis just blows up and Jabari's back, and like that, I could see them winning fifty games. I really could. Yeah. Um, so they're the one team that has upside like that high that we don't always talk about um, because they're so young and talented. But um, in terms of off season though, pretty quiet, which is fine. Uh, gives us yeah. a little, gives us a little breather between you and I. Totally. And you can let people be bad, take themselves out and you suddenly go to the top. It's good. Yeah. Teams got worse and you got better. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> the next team Uh-oh. is the New York Knicks. Um, in this space, we've talked quite a bit about the Tim Hardaway Jr. 
contract, four years, $71 million. Uh, Ron Baker, a two-year deal with a player option for $9 million total. He has a no-trade clause, essentially, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and they drafted um, Frankie Smokes uh, ahead of Dennis Smith in order to play the triangle because of Phil Jackson, and then they let Phil Jackson go days later. Timely. So, oh, and they lost Derrick Rose, which is a, probably a plus, and they lost Justin Holiday. Um, Porzingis didn't get traded. That's a win. Uh, Mello is still on the roster for reasons because he has no trade clause, and uh, they signed Michael Beasley, one year, two point, one year, two two point one million. Yeah, good for him. Um, those things don't matter as much as Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract. Uh, you and I have talked about this offline a little bit, but uh, sure. share your thoughts about that um, from the Knicks' perspective because most of my analysis was Hawks based, obviously. Uh, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Why would you pay him that much money? Um, he's a, he's a fine shooting guard. He's fine. Um, you have Courtney Lee on the roster. Fine. He's a little older. You want to get some like prospecty kind of guys, younger, younger guys, you know? Um, I, I guess, is that restricted? He was a first restricted free agent, right? He, I, he, he certainly would, was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually he wasn't when you're throwing 71 million around, but I just, I, I don't see him being $71 million like, oh, this is the, he's going to, he's not going to live up to that contract. And partly it's not his fault. Cause I mean, obviously if you offer me $71 million to do anything, I am cashing out, but it's just so, such an aggressive move. Like, and then come to find out like that, that's your one big move like of the summer. No other moves like kind of coincides. Like you, you added Ramon sessions. Is that your starting point guard? Uh, it's, they have Ron Baker and Ramon sessions. So, I like um, Ron Baker, but no. I mean, those are your two no. point guards, I believe. Unless I'm missing something, those are your guys at point guard. Other than the the Frank kid, the Frank guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have you have Tilakina, which I like him, but he's raw, man. Like he can't be starting. Oh yeah, you're night yeah. one in the NBA. He's he'll be 19. That'd be pretty aggressive. It's a big he'll deal. play. He should play because it's not a playoff team, so you should just play him. Um, um but, yeah, man. I uh, thought Carmelo hated Tim Hardaway, Jr. There was a little bit of that out there uh, when they were. Could have sworn that was a thing. Yeah, like, um, but apparently not, or at least I they mean, don't care. They does. That's one of the two. Um, and Hardaway, I mean, Hardaway was good last year. I'll say that. Uh, I I was overjoyed that the Hawks didn't match that ridiculous contract. And again, Tim, get that money because you earned it. Absolutely. Um, nobody was. I still don't know who the Knicks were bidding against. That was my whole thing, and that's what everybody said in the league. I was uh, I was in Vegas when this happened at summer league and. Everybody I talked to, regardless of affiliation, was kind of had the universal like, we don't know what, like who they're bidding against. That was the big question. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's fine. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Courtney Lee because that makes it that makes it make any even less sense. Uh, Courtney Lee is as owed um, 37 million over the next three years, and Courtney <laughs> Lee is a pure shooting guard. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a pure shooting guard. Neither one of those guys is like gonna like play up and guard like big physical threes. Like those guys are shooting guards. Sure. And now and you're paying you them both um, 30 million a year Yep. for the next three. And then Hardaway with a fourth year player option, which he will opt into. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the one big move. Uh, the Porzingis thing was mishandled, but it seems like that's calmed down since Phil's been gone. So it's not really a story anymore. Mello, everyone in the entire league knows they want to trade him and they just can't because he has no trade clause because Phil Jackson is Phil Jackson. So, at least they got rid of Phil Jackson. 
on the right that's side. That's something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uplifting. I mean, you still have Jim Dolan as an owner, but you got to take your wins where you can, man. Seriously. I wish they had. Um, I wish they had Dennis Smith for a lot of reasons because they'd be fun. Yeah, like they kind of deserve something there to like just be excited about for once. I I, I will go uh, with the reverse Kyrie. Um, is it a reverse Kyrie? No, it's the same as Kyrie. I feel like Carmelo is not going to get traded this summer. I feel like opening night he's going to be there. They're going to buy so. him. They're going to buy him out in January, is my guess. That's fair. That's because, fair. Because, um, yeah, that's my guess. I don't know why I said that, but there you go. Um, okay. The Knicks are the Knicks. They could be their own podcast, but it really could be. We'll, we'll move on to Orlando. Um, yeah, man, Orlando's weird. Still, they drafted Jonathan Isaac, who I love. I'm a huge fan. Um, interviewed him before the draft. Interesting guy. Um, I like him a lot. Um, they added John Simmons on a three-year bargain contract from the Spurs, which I enjoyed. Um, they paid Shelvin Mack a little bit of money to be their backup point guard and paper over the, DJ, the DJ Augustin disaster. Uh, they also signed Mo Spates and Aaron Aflalo for minimums, which is interesting. They let Jeff Green go, obviously, cut T.J. Watson. So pretty quiet in general. These guys are all peripheral guys, except, I mean, Simmons is maybe a starter for them, and they got him on a good deal, but... Aside from that, man, it's a lot of Alfred Payton, um, Aaron Gordon, Evan, Evan Fournier. That's kind of your core right now. They still have Vooch. They still have uh, Biombo. They didn't really do much. Aside from adding Isaac, who I like again. I, they're just so confusing. Like, they have these young guys. They sign older guys. They hate Aaron Gordon. They, they just refuse <laughs> to just let him be this like gazelle and just jump for anything that like is orange and round and around the rim. Like why do you have Jonathan Simmons? Can you, can you really, can you, can you, when you look at the roster that they have, what, what does John, I now Okay. Sidebar. I like Jonathan Simmons. I was very perplexed when San Antonio let him go essentially. Um, what does he bring to Orlando? Like that, can't be brought around for the rest of the guys that are on that roster. I think the only, I mean, the argument for it is that it's a, it's a steal of a deal. Like the, the number is a good number. And I think that's not a bad thing to just add. Um, and defense. I mean, I think when you're starting wings, essentially are Fournier and Ross, you could use some defense um, because both those guys are not good, are not good defenders. Um, mm-hmm. They're not awful necessarily, but they're not good either. And Simmons is a good defender. A good defender. He can play kind of behind them or with them, and that's that's useful. It's just until they get rid of. And the, the only problem I have with the Isaac drafting is that I think Isaac's a power forward, and so is Aaron Gordon. So Bingo. They have these two guys I like a lot who probably can't play together. Like maybe Isaac fills out like in three years and becomes somebody you can play at center a little bit because he's like basically a legit seven footer, but he's not that kind of guy now. So and by the way, you were paying more than thirty million a year for Vucevic and Biombo combined. Yep. Neither neither of which are somebody you want to be paying that kind of money to. So yep. I don't know, man. Like that stuff was last offseason for the most part, so I don't want to kill him for it now, but it still bites you when you make these bad decisions. And uh this is another team that probably could have drafted Dennis Smith. Um, but they seem to be married to Elver Payton. I mean, still, I'm not. I mean, how do you feel about Elver Payton while we're here, real quick? Because I think, I think he's, he's fine, but it's just, yeah. there's no there's no ceiling for me with Elver Payton. He's just kind of what he is. I think he. I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, if you want to just commit to him and and just kind of this is what you're getting out of him, I have no problem with that. But I feel like they go through stretches of loving him and hating him. Like, yes, 
they will have him be like a starter and he'll like average like a double double and he'll be fine. And then he'll go like a stretch where he's just the backup. And it's like, well, this is the same guy that you like, he's the same guy regardless of where he's like playing, like, or how many minutes. And I don't understand. Like they, they seem to be just wrestling with that in real time. Um, speaking of which Mario Hazonia, milk carton, where's he at? Like what, what's going on? I remember he got all of this buzz a couple years ago, did Scott Skiles get to him, and all of a sudden he's just out, like, he's just a bench guy, like, they have Terrence Ross, like, it, I don't know what they're trying to do, and I feel like their redundancy will be on that list of teams who don't make the playoffs. Yeah, they're not, they're not making the playoffs. I'd be stunned if they made the playoffs, but Hazonia is a weird one, man. Fifth overall pick, uh, yeah. you know, 27 months ago, and uh, he was awful. As a rookie, he was awful last year. How much of that is him not playing enough is up for debate, but he's just been bad. So, like, he might just be bad. That might just be a bust at this point. I'm not, I'm not calling that a bust at this point, but um, if you had to guess, you'd certainly lean in that direction. Um, they should just play him. I don't know why they don't play him more, but then, of course, now you have John Simmons and you have Evan Fournier and you have Terrence Ross. Um, I feel like I will see more Aaron Aflalo this year than Mario Azonia. Which would be a terrible decision. But yes. Well, yeah, well, we're talking about the magic, so I'm not, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and Aaron is better than Marozona like today, um, but that doesn't matter if you're the magic. You have to go for upside. Yeah, um, you won 29 games last year. You can probably play the young they're guys. They're gonna do that again. They're gonna win 32, and it's gonna be the magic are frustrating. Like it's not like the Knicks because they don't just do these like high profile things poorly, except for a yeah. couple of trades. But like they're just kind of a mired mess, and I don't know why, but they are. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been way too. I mean, if I was a Magic fan, I'd be losing my mind. I mean, that's that's something. I will say this for Hawks fans that are upset with the rebuilding direction. A couple of them pointed out that like you can be the Magic, and it's like, well, yeah, you can if you have if you have poor front office decision making, you can yeah. be the Magic. That's true. Some, when when uh, blowing it up and rebuilding goes wrong, yeah, that is true. I mean, there's no and look, listen, that's that's one of the possible outcomes. It's oh. not. I won't say it's a likely one if you have a quality general manager, but if you miss on some stuff, it can get ugly in a hurry. And uh, that's one of the downsides. But, uh, yeah, definitely not going great in Orlando. Uh, uh-huh. Philly is going better, though. Um, three teams remaining. Yeah. Philly is one of them. Um, they didn't do a ton in the offseason aside from J.J. Reddit contract. One year, $23 million. And they also gave Amir Johnson. I'm going to check this because I don't even believe my number that I wrote down. Uh, I think, is it actually one year and $11 million? It is. Well, that's I look. That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money for Amir Johnson. Uh, <laughs> sure. But uh, JJ Redick, um, I love and always yeah. have. It's Absolutely. one year. It doesn't do you any harm. It's probably an overpay, but still fine. Um, but the big, the big thing they did was obviously the Markel Fultz trade. Um, they gave up the future, one of their future assets, of, of which they have a million, uh, to go up and get him. Um, he's a guy who fits great there, in my opinion. Um, he can play on and off the ball. I thought he was the best player in the draft. Um, so that's that's the headliner, and I loved it. So, what did you think? I'm, I'm, we talked about it from Boston standpoint, but did you like it as much as you didn't like it for Boston? I loved it for Philly. I mean, it it I loved it on all all the all, all accounts. I feel like you get for everything that I've seen in red, where it was you get the best player in the draft. You, you, if you have a chance to get the best player in the draft, or potentially the best player in the draft, you go get the you get you go get him. Um, you give your fan base a shot in the arm. Like, hey, we're trying. Like, you know, and and it, it waves this like, hey guys, we're it we're building. Like it's it's happening. Get on, you know, all of these things. Um, you get Joel Embiid back at some point. He was fun last year, uh, before he got hurt. 
Um, you get Ben Simmons back. Remember him? He was the number one pick last year. Um, very intriguing, high risk, high reward. Where you know there's not going to be a Philadelphia preview that doesn't use the words if they stay healthy, basically. Um, but I feel like I, I'm I'm ex- I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to work. Um, everything that I've been reading about Ben Simmons playing point guard and him saying as such. Uh, and as a six nine six ten guy who can't really shoot, I don't know how that's going to work. But it's not. Let me let me do, let me do my okay. rant here. Right, here we go. I'll just sit I, back. And... I understand why they're doing that because he. I think it matters to him, which is it's you can kind of decide what you think about that and, and the fact that it actually matters to him. If you play him and Markel Fultz together, it's fine. Like, Marco Fultz is a point guard, but he's also 6'4", and he can play off the ball, and he can shoot. Um, so if you want to call Ben Simmons a point guard to make him feel better, that, that's fine. But, you know, Marco Fultz is on the court. Like, you're going to tell me he's not the point guard? Uh, okay. Um, but, I mean, if you're... Ben Simmons is a point guard in the same way that LeBron's a point guard. Like, LeBron's, never been, never, LeBron's never been called a point guard in his entire career at any point in terms of, like, positionally, but... How many times and how many lineups has LeBron been the point guard for in his career? A lot of them. Like even yep. when he plays with Kyrie, he's the point guard. So, yep. Most of the time. So like I just think we get caught up in semantics. Like we're it's an increasingly positional positionless league. If Simmons cares about being called it, then that's fine. But like if you're playing him with another ball handler like Fultz or another ball handler like even like TJ McConnell, like He's, I'm, I guess he's the point guard, but does it really matter? Like, no, like, not really. You need a guy to play, you need a guy that can guard point guards. So that's the thing. Like, if you if you really play him a point guard and don't play him with like an actual point guard somewhere on the court, then who guards point guards? Not Ben Simmons, not JJ Redick. Like nope. Redick, you're paying twenty three million dollars for JJ Redick. He's your starting shooting guard. I promise you yep. that. So totally. like, if if you're gonna start if you're gonna start Simmons at point guard and not start Fultz, oh, that doesn't work. So no. like, if you're playing both those guys together, I don't care who they call the point guard. If, you want, if it wants to be Simmons, it's fine. But um, he's going to have the ball in his hands because that's why you draft him. I mean, you saw him play like I did. Like His strength is having the ball in his hands as, as sort of a facilitator type. It's a weird mix. And uh, one of the reasons I like the full trade so much is because he can play with Simmons. Whereas like some of the other point guards in this class, like De'Aaron Fox or even Dennis Smith, like would not have been good fits necessarily with Ben Simmons. Um mm-hmm. Because you need to be able to shoot off the ball, you need to be able to play off the ball in general. Because Simmons is going to have the ball in his hands. That's why Kyrie and LeBron make so much sense because Kyrie can play off the ball. It's not like he's uh, I mean, who who's a dominant who's a dominant point guard that can't really shoot. I'm trying to think of a, like Russell Westbrook. Uh, that was what I was going to say. That's weird. Okay, he needs the ball. Like yep. you don't want to play him with Ben Simmons, right? Or with LeBron. But like, if you have a guy who does, who can who can shoot who can shoot off the ball and play off the ball and operate in that way and stretch the defense, it's fine. I like Ben Simmons. We'll see if it works. He can't shoot, man. Ooh, it's bad. I mean, people have forgotten. I think last summer league, like he was afraid to shoot in summer league. Ooh, in summer great. league, like he wouldn't shoot an eight footer. It was insane. Wow. And you could you you could see everything that everybody sees in him. The vision is incredible. The size. I think I think he's gonna rebound. I think he could defend if he tried. We'll see if that happens. But um, boy, he can't shoot. Maybe it's gotten better. Maybe it's gotten better in a year where he couldn't do anything. Do you think he's going to start? Do you think he'll start over like Sarek? I think they're going to start um, 
Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, Redick, and Covington. Okay. They could start Sarch. I just don't think they're gonna because of all the stuff that will happen if they don't start Ben Simmons. Like, yeah, especially with all the point guard back. stuff that's going on. And I mean, it's entirely possible that Sarch is a member of their best five. And either Simmons, well, I would say probably Simmons is not, potentially. That could be a thing that happens. But they really have six guys um, that we know are good, or at least that we think are going to be good, if you include the two sure. rookies, um, with Redick and all the young guys, and Covington, who is really like sneakily good still. But yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. That's a weird team, and we'll see what happens. I mean, RPM doesn't love them. Some of the, uh, some of the other projection systems do like them. They signed Amir Johnson <laughs> again, which we said a minute ago. Yeah, I'm getting money, man. Cash out. Uh, I like their off season. They did. I, they did, Yeah, I feel like they did everything right that you can possibly. You know, they're trying to get better. They're drafting young guys. They're still. And I went to this. I'm trying to go through this entire thing without saying process at all. But they've gone through the motions of like getting younger guys and then infusing JJ Redick. You know. Yeah, I mean, and the Redick thing is great because it doesn't hurt you in the long term. It provides spacing. Nope. I'm a huge fan of having guys who can space the floor to, to allow for player development for your other guys. Like it can stunt, yeah. it can stunt your guys' growth a lot if you don't have shooting. And when Ben Simmons is one of your guys who can't shoot, you need shooting. Um, yeah. So signing JJ Redick, who's one of the best, I'll be I'll be conservative and say, but one of the best ten shooters on the planet. Um, I'm confident in that. That's I mean that's a guy you want on the court with those guys, and he helps them. Um, it's not about this year necessarily. I mean, it is about making them better and increasing spacing. It's a one-year deal. There's no downside. I love it. So Philly wins. Um, we'll see. If, it's all about health, man. Embiid is incredible, um, but he's got to play. And yeah. nobody knows if he will be able to, including him. That's a good point. Uh, all right. Let's uh, go to one of your uh, – let's go to what, what I would coin as your favorite Eastern Conference team in the Toronto Raptors. Is that, yeah. is that an accurate statement? I think it is. Yeah. Totally. Um, a weird offseason for the Raptors, too. They lost uh, P.J. Tucker and Patrick Patterson. Um, a comically cheap deal for Patrick Patterson in Oklahoma City, which we'll get to in the Western Conference podcast later on. Um, oh. Lost those two guys. They uh, gave up a pick to get off of Damari Carroll, which we talked about before, and they added C.J. Miles to sort of replace him while flipping Corey Joseph away. They paid Lowry um, a reasonable contract, three years and like $100 million or so, um, and they paid Ibaka uh, quite a bit of money. They still have Valanchunas at this late hour, although there's a possibility that he could be traded in the, in the near future, and they drafted OG Ananobi, who I love unconditionally. So, uh, where are you at? I'm teeing it up for you. This is this is your team. I'm going to let you just cook on this one. Uh, just going real, like, down the list. I, man, $100 million's a lot. I feel like I, $100 million's a lot for a guy who doesn't really show up in the playoffs. Um, you're kind of locked into that backcourt which you can do a lot worse, obviously. Um, you they they you had a you had a choice basically. You you can either go and maybe potentially rebuild because Lowry. You, there's not like a lot of. Uh, like, I mean, even if you brought Corey Joseph back, like you're taking a huge drop off there. Um, I think they did the right move. Honestly, they they paid their players. They paid Lowry. They played. They paid Abaka. I understand what Abaka brings. I mean, there might be some. He's basically a three-point shooter, but he can protect the rim um, a little bit better than maybe Valachunas, maybe. But 
you know, this is a debate for another podcast, I suppose. They brought in CJ Miles. I like CJ Miles. They got rid of Damari Carroll. They got rid of that. Um, they lost out on PJ Tucker, which sucks, but uh, getting CJ Miles, I feel like, will definitely help a lot. Um, I know nothing of OG Ananobi. Indiana, man. Uh, incredibly high upside defender. I'll say that. Okay, that's a guy. That's a guy I wanted the Hawks to consider. It's fine that they didn't take him because John Collins looks good. But uh, yeah. and ob has got the injury thing. But if he's healthy, I think he was the best defender on the draft. That's oh, awesome. that's good. Um, I like Norman Powell. I I think that you know maybe he can kind of grow a little bit more. Um, he can kind of be that guy that kind of I want to say gets them over the hump because they were a very good team. They won fifty one games. But I think that when you bring back your veterans and stuff like that. You need these young guys to kind of progress, to kind of bring something different to the table. I feel like Norman Powell's that guy. Um, I feel like that, you know, CJ miles can help them on the, off the bench. Um, they need, which, they, need, they need a shooter and he has one. So yeah, like they, they need a little bit more shooting and you know, you, you always can help with adding a CJ miles. I feel like he got 25 million, which is interesting. Um, it was just very wonky, like when you kind of view the market and, and kind of see who got what and where, and players that you maybe thought were better than CJ Miles got less, or uh, players that you thought were better. I mean, players that you thought were not as good as CJ Miles getting way more. I'm looking at you, Miami. Um, <laughs> like it, it's just very unusual, but I think they got great value. For CJ Miles, and I think that he'll definitely help them in a, in a way that Damari Carroll couldn't. Um, losing Patrick Patterson obviously is a uh, like a pretty big blow, and then seeing how much they lost at four, uh, not great either. But I feel like they were kind of scrapped for cash post post uh, Lowry, Ibaka, and Miles. Yeah, I mean this is the this is this is the, this is their team. Unless they can move off Valanciunas, uh, they're kind of locked in here. They spent a lot of money, and we'll see. Um, what do you think? Uh, we've purposely not done a, a whole lot of season previewish stuff because uh, that's going to come later in the off season. But um, I have to ask you about uh, KP and those uh, ESPN projections having the Raptors at um, at number six in the East with forty three wins. Were you outraged by this? Outraged? No. Surprised? Absolutely. I he was too. By the way, I, I heard him on a podcast with Tim Bonteps, and uh, Pelton basically said that that was his most surprising outcome. Because obviously, people for people that don't know this, like this, he just he's just running numbers. It's not like he's yeah. this is not his personal opinion. This is it's his system or and uh, one that he's uh, contributed to. But he was as surprised as I think anybody with the number based on how he sounded on that podcast. I can't imagine them. I would. I, I can't imagine them finishing six. Can't. I, I not even in my like like just scenarios that I'd run in my head. Like short of injuries, obviously. Um, like a, a fully healthy team. I can't, I can't envision them in that East, in that conference. Like I, I can't imagine them um, finishing six. Yeah, I mean, they're behind. For reference, they're behind the Washington, Milwaukee, and Charlotte. Charlotte's the one that's controversial, in my opinion. I feel like that's fair. Milwaukee, uh, I get it. Um, Washington, I get it because of last year, but uh, I don't see it with uh, Charlotte necessarily. But no, there you, there you have it. Um, we do have two teams left, one of which is the Hawks. I promise we're going to get there, people. We're, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> Washington, though, this is one that's actually not that interesting to me. Uh, the Wizards paid uh, John Wall and Otto Porter uh, all the money in all the world, both of them. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, sneakily stole Tim Frazier from the Pelicans for a late second-round pick for no reason. I'm not sure what the Pelicans were doing. But he's now their backup point guard, replacing Trey Burke, who they let go. And uh, they had no picks, um, and that was about it. I mean, they, they let Bayon Badamich go. They signed Mike Scott, old friend of the program, who uh, is not like me, I don't think. <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to get to that story? Of no, that? no stories. Okay. Um, All right, fine. Nope, nope. I wish Mike, the best. I wish Mike the best in Washington. <laughs> uh, but yeah, John Wall and Autopora, that's basically it, and Tim Frazier. So, uh, I mean, John Wall's worth the max. We'll see if he's worth it in four or five years, six years, based on uh, the long extension that he's gotten. Otto Porter, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Uh, this is probably one of the bigger, like the Otto Porter contract was one of the bigger ones where I was like, man, he has, he has, uh, he has a bar to live up to. Like, I mean, he had a very good year last year, a very like surprising year. But like, when you have expectations, it's it's different. It's, it's completely different. I don't. Uh, he was a maybe top five and three point percentage, something like that. Like I don't know if that is him. He was leading the league till like March. Yeah, like he, he had he a finished good run. the season um, shooting like a ridiculous percentage. Let me find it. Forty three point four percent from three. That's amazing. Yes. Um, which is what exactly what they needed. Uh, I I don't know if that's sustainable. Um. I don't. I don't think it is. I think that adding Tim Frazier is a good move. Um, I mean, I like Brandon Jennings kind of in the later part of the year. I think that that was because the Trey Burke thing didn't really work out. But um, losing shouts to Black Trey, by the way, while we're here. Fair. That's, that's, yeah, that's what's up. He's in China for <laughs> a couple of months. Not Black Trey, but uh, Brandon Jennings. <laughs> Not but anyway, Black Trey. <laughs> Black Trey's still hanging out, but um. Uh, losing Bogdanovich is like a, actually a big deal because I feel like I, once they got him, they kind of took off really um, in this like pseudo like six man like weird like as like a stretch four. Um, they may feel that losing him for like a half a year. You know, they only had him half a year last year, but like they they might feel the effects of that. Um, there's some there's some regression here. I feel like they that Washington could experience. Um, I feel like. Gortat is hitting that wall. I feel like at some point it's it's not going to go well for him. Um, the health is always a big deal between their backcourt, Wall and Beal. If Wall isn't hurt and breaks his wrist in a random playoff series, you know Beal is banged up. When they're together and they're healthy, they could beat anybody, um, except you know Game Seven when they didn't beat uh, Boston. <laughs> but I, I think generally, like, when they're at their the peaks of their powers, I feel like they're really good. But I feel like their bench is not good. No, um, no, 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 it's not. It's kind it's of, like... Still not good. To help them. You'd think that they would kind of address that. I mean, Mike Scott, eh. Cody Meeks, eh. Like, not, not very good. Like, I mean, Tim, Tim Frazier's good. I, I like Tim Frazier, but, like... And Yamahimi, if he's healthy, should be fine. But, like, that's a bad contract. Just and he play. wasn't, and he wasn't healthy at all last year. No, I mean they need him to be healthy. That's the thing. You don't, you don't pay sixteen million for a backup center, and which is they knew they were doing that. By the way, it's not like when they signed it, they knew he was the backup center, and they paid it anyway, just because that's how bad their bench was, and he didn't play. So I think they know they need like him that. really bad. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's like Jason Smith, and I mean, it's not you know Thomas Sadoransky is back for year two. I mean, there's not a lot going on the bench, so we'll see. But um, the big question, I mean, the big thing is the poor contract. I mean, if he yeah. is the same guy or worse, it's not going to look good. 
four years, one hundred six million. Um, John Wall, uh, sneaky could be bad, but not the not him, but the contract could be bad by the end because it's six years from now, and he'll be in his thirties, and he's a guy who needs he needs his explosion. But I, I love John Wall; I think he's great. Um, so that's a no brainer. You have to do it. I understand that. Um, so I don't know. Otto Porter, man, that's the big question for Washington. Yeah, he, he averaged thirteen points a game last year. Like that, that can't like. I mean, he can do that still because I mean he's always gonna be the third option. They have Beal and Wall, but like he needs to be a better defender and still be able to shoot forty percent from three. And I'm not sure you can assume those things. So that's the question: just whether he can maintain that shooting, and I'm not sure he can, as we both said. Uh, All right, man, let's go to the Hawks real quick. Um, Obviously, this is a Hawks podcast. People know my thoughts for the most part, but um, actually, we haven't had you on since the uh, since the whole off season, so. Uh, general direction, I guess, is the big question. You know, they, they did the Howard trade, just sort of kick off the rebuild, and they let Paul go, et cetera, et cetera. Are you okay with the direction? And uh, then I can ask you about the specific moves they actually did aside from those two things. I'm okay with the direction. Um, they committed, which is pretty much all you need to have in a franchise. Like, kind of like a, like, hey, we're going to do this now. Like, Kind of going into the offseason, they had some moves that you could be like, well, the Millsap thing, you know, or yeah, the whole, I, I would say that the reason why they couldn't rebuild going into the offseason was, I don't know if you could find a taker for Dwight. Uh, well, they found a taker for Dwight, which makes everything a lot easier uh, to be like, oh, we can actually do this, you know, and I feel like they they took back what Bellinelli and Plumley, Miles Plumley. The Plumley deal, um, deal is awful. We all know it, but yeah, it is what it, it is. you know, it's not not great. But if you're trying to get where you're trying to go, which is you know, kind of bottom out a little bit, and uh, you know, get get some younger players in at, at a certain point, um, that's exactly how you'd want to do it. Now. You know, if they're still making these kinds of moves in year five, like Orlando, or uh, I'm trying to think Sacramento, or um, there's one more team that's been just toiling, uh, New York. Uh, you know, like those kinds of those kinds of teams where they're just treading water at best. Uh, then we can kind of take issue with it. But I think year one, I feel like off season number one in terms of rebuilding, kind of like, hey, you know what, got to find some new guys. We had the 50-win year a couple years ago. It was awesome. Everyone loved it. But that's not sustainable, given how everything kind of played out. Al Horford, Millsap, Corver. Um, you got to try something different. And so they're trying something different, and I, and I like it. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I'm obviously on record by saying that it was time to rebuild. We'll see if it works. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's risky, man. I'll be the first to tell you. Like, it's a, you know, rebuilding is not foolproof. I mean, you it's have to. Fun. If they understand the risk in it, it's not always fun. It could be a lengthy process. We'll see how fast it uh, ends up being. Um, yeah. In terms of the guys they actually got, I'll ask you. I mean, Deb and Ilyasova were the two uh, interesting sort of more high cost. You know, they're not hugely high cost guys. And they re-signed Muscala and they uh, recently signed Luke Babbitt, your boy. Anybody yeah. jump up to you uh, in terms of those guys? They're all short-term deals, so it's not like it's a huge impact. But did you, did you uh, were you okay with those deals? Yeah, perfectly okay money-wise. Like there was no like large commitments to any of them, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, wow, I, I, I think that was a very reasonable deal for Detman. I feel like there could have been some potential there. You know, like I, I feel like there would have been more of a market 
a little bit more of a market. I'm not saying that he should have gotten like $80 million or anything like that. Or, but like, I, I thought that two years, 14 million, something like that. Uh, I thought that was a, kind of a steal, like a little bit. Like I, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by his potential. How old is he? Do you know? Uh, 27. Okay. So like mid to late twenties, like twenties, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Like, I like that. Like you can still kind of like figure out what, what you have in a player like that. He'll be 20 on Saturday, by the way. Oh, so happy, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday to Dwayne Dutton, man. Good for him. Um, Luke Babbitt, I, I, you know, he fills that role, just shooter, you know, uh, I feel like one year, you know, event, event minimum, something like that. It's great. Uh, really good move. John Collins, apparently everyone loves him. He had a really good summer league. That was my next uh, question. Uh, my my guy, I'm just kidding, not my guy. <laughs> I like. Uh, I didn't love that pick as much as everybody else did. I do think it's good value, and he was obviously awesome in Vegas. But uh, uh, yeah. it seems like you're on board as much as you can be. Yeah. He's, he's an ACC guy, though. You like the West Coast, which is uh, your your Yeah, I had never game. heard – oh, that hurts. Uh, come on. I'm, I'm open. <laughs> I agree. I've never watched John Collins play before uh, summer league. But, you know, I had heard positive things, and so you got to go with the open mind. Open mind, Brad. That's what's important here. And I've heard good things. Um, I Speaking of West Coast, I hope, like, Tyler Dorsey plays a little bit. That would be great. But – your yeah. guy, um, I'm going to blame you um, if this doesn't go well. So, oh, oh, well, I'm on the hook for that. But go I Ducks. also sidebar, good Ducks. Uh Sidebar, I like bringing back Muscala. That's a really good move. I thought he had a quiet, like, pretty good year, and I feel like there was like a high chance of him leaving in my head. Yep. Um, but bringing him back for what ten mil, something very small, like two years, ten million with a second year player option. You might lose him later on if he's like. Yeah, I think I think but, he's gonna have a nice year and probably test the market again. But that's fine. I mean, it's a guy yeah. that, you, that they drafted him, they groomed him, they made him into. Obviously, he he plays a part in that as well. But they helped yeah. him to become a uh, rotation player in the NBA as a second round pick from Bucknell. Things have gone well. He's had a great. He's had a really good career, all things considered. Uh, lost in all of this, the Dennis Schroeder thing. I don't really know how I feel about him still. Like I, I have not. That is the that is the consensus. Actually, is people either yeah. uh, there's a lot of Hawks fans that are really sold, which I understand. It's their guy, um, completely. And the numbers, the raw numbers are good. Um, a lot of people in the league are not sold. Um, I hear from people all the time that are not sold on the Dennis Schroeder experience. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think. Yeah. Um, well, this is a big year for Dennis. I will say uh, the problem Huge is year. the problem is, and I, this is something I argued last year and have said on this podcast before, but is that. Uh, it makes it tough on him when he has to be the only creator offensively. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of that last year, even with Paul Millsap, and now they don't even have Paul Millsap. Um, and I think DeAndre Bembry and those guys are a year away from being able to do that. So it's going to be a lot of Dennis Shooter. Yeah. Like 30% but, usage rate Dennis Shooter kind of thing. It's going to be one of those things where it just kind of depends on really on him and kind of the coaching staff in terms of, because you you can kind of, there was a time where you could go it like Schroeder could kind of make mistakes and then get out of the game like you can get him out of the game like he's going to learn from these mistakes but you can get him out of the game get him out of harm's way uh, now you can't do that like he's still a young player he's still learning he's still growing into a point guard um, you know going from you know a bench player bench point guard to starting point guard to the point guard is in three years, basically it's, it's a huge transition. Um, he can pick up a lot of bad habits. 
on the downside of that, but hopefully he can kind of grow into a leader and, and kind of like get John Collins, get, you know, the other younger guys kind of like, and, and kind of set a culture kind of like a, you know, like a Spurs light kind of thing. Cause that's what, you know, they're kind of modeling their way after, but like you, you need a guy who has been through both, you know, the bad and the good. So hopefully that Schroeder will kind of be that, that leader for them. Got to get a good uh, a good Spurs comparison in there. So I'm proud of you for that at the uh, the 90 minute mark, sneaking that You're in welcome. there. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we could, we could talk some more Hawks, but you know, it's uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, that's kind of the what's kind of what we do in this space for the most part. But a little detour today, um, and uh, I appreciate you doing it with me, my friend. It's a lot of content. We'll come back and do the West at some point, um, and people will probably be afraid of the uh, duration on this podcast. But hey. It's the summer, man. We're just going to kick stuff around. I had Tower Jones on last week. Had a lot of fun. It was an hour and a half. People were upset, and then they listened to it, and they liked it. So, Yeah, that go. was really fun. I don't, who would, uh, People just complain about things. He was really good. He's, he's, he's really funny. I like him. Uh, yes, it's my guy. So uh, anyway, well, uh, sir, if you have anything you all see that you like to say, please do that now. If not, we're going to get out of here. Um, have an enjoyable day, guys. Follow, <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> follow that man at, at I'm Ryan on Twitter. I know it's not all basketball, but follow that man anyway because it's fun. Uh, he might, and, and if you catch him in the right mood, he'll just be uh, just tweeting the most ominous stuff about imaginable. Oh, oh yeah, especially after like 9 p.m., it gets it gets kind of unusual. It's it, dark. Yeah. In a hurry. it gets dark. It's dark. <laughs> Post 9 p.m. It's, it's not. It's not uplifting, guys. It's not uplifting. Uh, no, it's it's fun. Follow follow Ryan. Uh, follow the show at Locked On Hawks on Facebook and Twitter. Follow me if you want to at BT Roll. If you don't do that already, on PeachtreeHoops.com for all your Hawk stuff. Uh, thanks to Ryan again, and we'll be back again uh, next week. I'm traveling over the weekend, so the next podcast will probably not be until Tuesday. Um, if something breaks, though, we'll we'll try we'll try to pop in. But until then, stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.